the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Monday edition of The Ride Home. <laughs> Kath, uh, happy Thanksgiving to you. Thank you. Yeah, I'm still recovering. All right, I, I am too, myself. Yes, mm-hmm. I am. Mm-hmm. I'm still recovering. Mm-hmm. However, I'm recovering from just the preparation and frivolity of it all, but you're recovering from being sick over Thanksgiving. A little bit, That's yeah. sad. I I'm t- sorry about that. That's yeah, fine. It's, it came out fine on the other end, so Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just want to let you know, oh, everything's good. That's terrific. Yeah, yeah. And uh, a large gathering for you. Yeah, mm-hmm. we did have a large gathering. Mm-hmm. We had a big uh, blowout Thanksgiving celebration. Excellent. It was really fun. Very nice. Re- and I need to put out an apology to all of our listeners mm. because we had a segment on uh, Thursday, Wednesday's show where I was detailing some of the recipes I recommended for Thanksgiving, and I just completely forgot to put them up mm-hmm. on social. I just forgot. Yep. I was and so there are it. people coming in, like there are messages hey. today, like, hey, where's the. Th-? I just, for all of you, I'm very, very sorry. Yep. So before the end of today, I will have the them up. Too late. Perhaps you want to make them at another time. <laughs> Mashed potatoes are good any time of year. I don't think so. Uh, we were looking for it. We were, I am really sorry. Somehow the, I just, I was so concerned yeah. about my own cooking. That's right. But your holiday was fine. Yes. Everybody else, they had to suffer through it. Seriously, I went home after Wednesday's show mm-hmm. and I just hit the kitchen and I was like, I made yeah. gravy, I made uh, sweet potatoes and I made mm-hmm. stuffing. Yep. Best stuffing I ever had in my whole life. Hey, was it? Yes. Don't you New love recipe. stuffing? Really? Was it in the turkey? No. I like it in the turkey. My wife's always like, I'm a little leery of that. So there, not, uh-uh. There's some safety nah, concerns there. I don't there. think so. If you do it right, my sister, oh, she fired it up. It was Is so that right? Good. Oh, man. Excellent. It was a great Thanksgiving at our house. Great. Today. Very nice. Lex, yeah. how was your Thanksgiving? Very good. My Thanksgiving was really oh, nice. I can't hear you. What? Uh, there we go. Can I hear you now? How Maybe. was Thanksgiving? I don't know, but my Thanksgiving no, was really okay. nice. There you go. Okay, good. Nice. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> anyway, you got some good. new stories for us today. Yes, I do. All right, then, good. I'm ready. Without further ado, Kath, please, new stories on a Monday, the top four at four. For Monday, November 27th, 2023, Thank you. I will have those things up on social media. Number one. <laughs> too late. A four-day ceasefire between Hamas and Israel has been extended by two days, Qatari officials announced today. Dozens of the more than 200 people taken hostage during Hamas's October 7th attack on Israel and held in Gaza for nearly two months were released over the last few days during the ceasefire. 58 hostages, 40 Israelis, and 18 foreign citizens have been released by Hamas, exchanged for 100. 17 Palestinians released from Israeli prisons. Read more about that at today's ABC News. Number two. 
Good news, John, for a change about the climate. An in-depth piece in today's Wall Street Journal, which detailed several things, including Sunstreams, a cluster of solar farms that will cover more than 13 square miles of desert west of Phoenix. And check this out. By 2025, we'll provide enough electricity for 300,000 homes. What? What is this? Yes. Sunstreams? You have to read this article, bringing Arizona's largest utility closer to its goal of zero carbon. Yeah. It's part of a staggering surge, according to the journal, in renewable energy driven by falling costs and better tech. Growth in renewables has consistently exceeded expectations, and the explosion of clean energy offers hope for cutting fossil fuel use. This, I I mean, really, I I was shocked. Uh, The average cost of solar power has fallen 90 percent. Come on. Because between, of these sunscreens? Between 2000, no, it's, but it, it's just kind of a comprehensive piece really? on different uh, sources of energy. But the average cost of solar fell 90% between 2009 and 2023. All right. Go solar. You, you have to check it out in today's Wall Street Journal. Number three, a review by CBS News of court proceedings in January 6th criminal cases, including the federal prosecution of former President Donald Trump, reveals a growing series of alarms being issued by judges about the prospect of violence, conspiracy theories, and election denialism during the upcoming presidential campaign cycle. I'm turning the page. Judge Randolph Moss said at a sentencing, I can't think of any event other than the civil war that has driven people apart as much, referring to the January 6th assault on the Capitol. In a lengthy court filing in the seditious conspiracy case against a group of convicted January 6th Oath Keepers defendants, prosecutors cited a recent poll by the University of California, Davis. You ready for this? The filing said one in five. Americans believes political violence would be at least sometimes justified, and one in ten believes it would be justified if it meant the return of President Trump. That's from today's CBS News. And number four, the Merriam-Webster word of the year for 2023 is authentic. Authentic. Authentic cuisine, voice, authentic self, authenticity as artifice. Lookups for the word are routinely heavy on the Dictionary Company's website, but were boosted to new heights throughout the year. We see, really? said Peter Sokolowski, he said this to the AP, we see 2023 a kind of crisis of authenticity. What we realize is that when we question it, we value it even more. And that's your top four. four. All right. It's not a bad word, mm. authentic, if it's not greatly overused. Which is what it's already been. Of course it is, been. right? So, right. It, and I feel like it's been overused for more than just the last year. I agree, yeah, in a very authentic way. But anyway, way. we'll talk about that more uh, later in the hour. Okay, good. Because I want to share some of the runners-up right, okay. for Word I, of the Year. I just want to circle back again. So the uh, recipes are up? Uh, they're the... not up yet. I said by the time I right, leave so. today, they're going to be up. All right. Kathy Santos, promising... <laughs> Much. <laughs> I'm not ripping off the show for my own personal. I promise. <laughs> Take a quick break. Come back. The Monday edition. We always go to the White House. Greg Cluxton will join us next. If it's Monday, it's time for SRN News White House correspondent Greg Cluxton, where he joins us live from the White House to give us an update on the goings on in and around the nation's capital and across the world. Greg, happy Monday to you. And same to you, John and Kathy. Good afternoon. Great to be here. Are you full of leftovers, Greg? (laughs) Yes, yes. I had more leftovers today, in fact. Mm -hmm. So 
the gift that keeps on giving. That's what yes, I like to hear. Happy Thanksgiving. I love it. No complaints. Me so, too. Yeah, exactly. Me too. Okay, so let's turn to the issues of the day. Uh, probably the most important being the Israel-Hamas ceasefire extended another two days. That's right. Uh, The original plan was to be four days ending today. But earlier today, Israel and Hamas did agree to extend that ceasefire for two additional days beyond today. And the, the plan is that Israel has said that they would extend the ceasefire for one day by one day for every 10 additional hostages released. Released. Hmm. So, in addition to the um, to the group of um, hostages being released today, uh, we should expect at least at least twenty more over the next two days. And obviously, that is uh, that's just such welcome news for these uh, these families and people who uh, have uh, you know friends and loved ones who are in captivity this way. Uh, and so far, over these last three th- three and a half to four days, there have been uh, fifty eight now hostages during this truce that have uh, been freed, including 39 Israelis. And, of course, just over the weekend, we had the very first American in that group of released hostages as well. Fabulous. So, as you said, Greg, very good news. And um, on the other good news, uh, supplies, food, medicine, all that is also being given to people who are in war-torn areas. That's right, John, because of the pause in the fighting between the two sides, especially the Israeli attacks going after Hamas terrorists, it has allowed for a ramping up of humanitarian relief and supplies, aid, water, basics, all to be moving in at a much higher, faster clip than we were seeing just a few days ago um, as the conflict was, uh, was, was raging on. Now, of course, Israel has said that whenever the ceasefire comes to an end, they are going to resume their efforts to uh, to wipe out the Hamas terrorists, which continue to pose a threat to to the Jewish state. So the timing on all of this is extremely fluid right now. Uh, uh, you know, as the president, President Biden was saying yesterday, not only is the, the, the discussion of um, extending the ceasefire so that more hostages can come home and more aid can get in, he says, it's, you know, it's an hour by hour process. And you've got U.S. negotiators, Israeli negotiators, uh, the uh, the country of um, of Qatar is 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 dealing on behalf of the Hamas group, and so you've got uh, very high level um, ongoing negotiations taking place, and uh, it really is 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 fluid. So we don't know obviously the end game here in terms of uh, how much further this kind of ceasefire could be extended, but the hope is that it could be extended. Uh, primarily for the fact of getting hostages out. Although the White House National Security Council spokesman today did say that there is always the risk, and this was a calculated risk when they agreed to move forward with this ceasefire, that a pause in the fighting could benefit Hamas in terms of rearming and regrouping to uh, prepare against the oncoming Israeli attack. Is there any information, Greg, about the Palestinian uh, prisoners who have been swapped? And perhaps are they going to you know, provide any type of pivotal role into the uh, Palestinian defense? Sure. So 19 people of other nationalities have been freed uh, during this truce. A lot were Thai nationals, especially in that very first day um, last week. Um, the reporting that I've seen says that the Palestinian prisoners released were mostly teenagers accused of throwing stones and firebombs during confrontations. Um, so much less serious offenses. And um, many Palestinians view them as, you know, sort of her- heroic for resisting occupation efforts and all the rest. But uh, they're not like, you know, um, you know, cr- hardened criminals in, in, in that sense. So that's that's the understanding that we have. And I should double back, Kathy um, and John. Uh, I, I just sort of passed this over. But I did mention that over the weekend we did have the first American hostage 
released as a part of this uh, this truce and this ceasefire. And that American is a four-year-old girl. She holds dual American-Israeli citizenship. She is now back safely with her family uh, in Israel. And while that is obviously excellent news, it is such a heartbreaking story because both of her parents were killed in the initial Hamas attack back on October 7th in front of her. And so here she's been for 50-so days in captivity as a four-year-old. She was actually three. She turned four. Her birthday was last week while still in captivity. Wow. And then comes home, but no parents, oh. although she is with family. So it's uh, it's and, 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 and these stories just continue to play out, uh, you know, moving forward from that October 7th date. Wow. God bless her. Pray for peace. Greg Clarkson is with us. SRN News White House correspondent. Greg, uh, talk about um, the conversation that goes on inside the White House with uh, the Democrats and President Biden and uh, those who are pushing for um, the end of the Israeli response to Hamas. You know, this is a real balance, John, for President Biden. He has been, and we've mentioned this here before over the last few weeks, he's been very, uh, very vocal, very public about uh, saying Israel has a right to defend itself, that the kind of attack that Hamas carried out back on October 7th was so, so gruesome um, and and so dangerous, really, um, to the, you know, to the future state um, and democracy there in Israel that Israel absolutely had an obligation to respond Mm -hmm. and uh, that there is no room for that kind of terrorist barbarism. Yet at the same time, as we have seen the Israeli attacks uh, and the incursion moving into Gaza, targeting Hamas, we have seen um, civilian uh, casualties. We have seen uh, great destruction um, and human suffering because of, of, you know, the lack of relief supplies and humanitarian aid moving in during that fighting. And so the president has, of course, also um, amplified his view that he doesn't want to see innocents and civilians caught in the crossfire here. Uh, But there are a lot of Democrats. There are even members of his administration here in Washington, including here at the White House, who uh, who have spoken with the chief of staff, who have uh, spoken to others in the administration, expressing their concern that the president is not more forcefully um, defending the Palestinian side of this conflict. So, um, you know, politically and otherwise, it's just a very tricky, um, tricky balance right now, although the president certainly has not backed away from his support for uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli Defense Forces and the actions they've taken so far. And a a tricky balance. Of course, I saw earlier today that of all people, Elon Musk was in Israel with Benjamin uh, Netanyahu. Tell us that story, Greg. You know, I'm uh, I just got back from a White House briefing and I'm not sure I have uh, all the details on that Elon Musk briefing. Um, So it's uh, it's an interesting combination there. Obviously, he is uh, an entrepreneur who has um, you know, uh, work in many countries around the world uh, in various industries as well. And so he he obviously um, came under fire here over the last couple of weeks for some of his comments online and, and some of the uh, some of the uh, a post that was uh, retweeted on his social platform X. And uh, that he, he saw a lot of fallout from that. There were some American advertisers and companies who pulled off of of his social platform because uh, essentially in protest of those comments. So perhaps there's a, a, a making of amends here in this meeting. And a person with outsized influence as well, Elon Musk. Uh, we're talking to Greg Clugston. Speaking of someone with outsized influence, yes, uh, he's from the, uh, well, SRN, <laughs> the SRN News uh, White House desk. He's the correspondent there. Um, okay, so can we talk about uh, the presidential race? Um, I was sure. talking in our uh, news at the top of the hour about 
a series of judges, according to CBS News, who've made statements over the last week or so concerned about violence uh, that could happen um, in relation to the upcoming presidential election. Um, But what about just the actual vote counting? Um, Talk about Ron DeSantis and what kind of position is he in on the Republican side? Well, you know, Kathy, I know you and John, you're counting down the days because the Iowa we love uh, it are seven weeks from today. I think Mm. it's today. You know what, John and I might go. We've got a reservation. We want to be in person. (laughs) Well, and I mentioned that because um, it does tie in with uh, the Ron DeSantis campaign uh, specifically because he has picked up a couple of key endorsements over the last couple of weeks. And it's interesting, of course, because there's, there's a debate as to whether or not endorsements really carry much weight or how much weight do they carry uh, moving forward for the average voter. But obviously, campaigns and candidates continue to seek the endorsement of influential uh, individuals. So a week or two ago, you had, um, maybe it's the beginning of last week, you had the governor of Iowa, Kim Reynolds, very popular Republican governor. She ultimately decided to uh, throw her support behind the Florida governor, Ron DeSantis. And then late last week, right before Thanksgiving, you had an influential Iowa Christian leader also endorse DeSantis. And this leader is Bob Vanderplatz. Uh, he is a well-known uh, pro-life evangelical leader in, in Iowa. This is the interesting aspect to his endorsement, uh, is that since 2008, uh, Bob Vanderplatz and his, his group, which is called Family Leader there in Iowa, they have uh, endorsed the eventual winner in the Iowa caucus, every GOP Iowa caucus since 2008. But none of the candidates that they backed and won the Iowa caucus ended up becoming the Republican Party's presidential nominee. Hmm. So, to put it in in a sports context, it's like you have a great regular season, but you falter in the playoffs. Right. And, uh, so it, it's interesting that, you know, he wins that. And obviously the evangelical Christian vote in Iowa is, is a key uh, segment of the population that we'll be uh, watching in seven weeks. And we'll have to see what happens. Hmm. Right. So it's is that, is that person going to become the Baltimore Orioles hmm. of the 71 and 79 of the, of the press, or no this year that had the best record and then tanked. Uh, that's interesting. That's interesting, Greg. Um, so how many people, I mean, I'm kidding about John and I going to Iowa, but are oh, they? Are, I didn't realize okay. <laughs> thought we were going. Cancel those tickets, John. <laughs> oh, shoot. John took me seriously. Um, do people like actually you know, go for this? Is this is this a spectator sport? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, I don't think outside of Iowa, I mean, besides the media, the news media, of course, comes in and uh, we're the primary spectators, I guess, in some respect. Uh, but, you know, the, the caucuses are a different procedure to, you know, a voting primary. Um, they have these, uh, you know, it's almost like going to a community uh, building or a town hall or yeah, a city yeah. hall. And, and, the, and there are discussions and you uh, you make your case and you hear the arguments back and forth. Uh, and then and then ultimately decisions are made in these little pockets in towns and cities all around the state of Iowa. I so like the, the caucus process is very interesting, certainly, and different from what happens in a lot of states across the country. Uh, but I'm not sure it's a it's a big tourism draw. Right. It's like a friends meeting, but they're voting for <laughs> so president. It's also, also January in Iowa. And as someone who used to live there, I mm. can say. Uh, Ed, that's not a big tourism draw. No, no. Put another log on the fire in Iowa. Greg, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. I mean, uh, you're bringing it up to date here about what's going on in the nation's capital. Um, leftovers, what are you having today? Exactly. What did you eat, Greg? Uh, turkey and uh, and 
and cranberries. I yeah. mean, it was mm-hmm. just got to keep the cranberries. And because, you know, the turkey at this point, it's starting to get a little drier than it was even on Thanksgiving Day, of course. So no gravy? just, uh, um, you know, we ran out of gravy. Oh, so. don't you you always, hate that. That's the problem is that you always yeah. run out of gravy. Right, right. You need a jar of Heinz. You know, I doubled it this year. Next year, I'm just going to triple it oh because it's just it's it's too overwhelming. Yeah, you I have mean, a gravy uh, energy drink. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. Nice. Greg, good to talk to you. Hey, always a pleasure. Thanks a lot. Our pleasure. Thank you. SRN News White House Correspondent Greg Clugston. Information about Greg Clugston and Salem Radio Network, wordfm.com. Thanksgiving morning, I woke up, turned on the TV set, and sat down to watch some little Macy's Day Thanksgiving Day Parade. And it was very nice. Very, very enjoyable. Did you watch? I never watched the Thanksgiving Day Parade. What? And I did this year. Hey, hey, hey. I never watch it because I'm always busy in the kitchen or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But you got a TV set. But I have a TV in the kitchen Mm -hmm. for the first time. I never had that before. And so when I was cooking, I thought, oh, I'll turn it on and kind of, you know, get into the festive spirit. And? I mean, I enjoyed it. It's it's a little weird. There's two of them, right? There's the CBS version of the parade and NBC. Now, CBS does it like a Broadway production. Right. They do it in front of the Macy's Day, of Macy's main entrance. Right. And then NBC kind of does a mix and match. They shoot uh, along the parade route where you see the balloons and the crowd and things like that. That's much more enjoyable. Okay. I think that's the one I watched. Yeah, much more enjoyable. So, uh... Big news, the Macy's Parade was seen by 28.5 million people, the most people who've watched linear television this year. Really? That includes the Super Bowl. Really? Yeah. Isn't that cool? The 97th Annual Parade. So that has to be a big jump from last year's. Almost 8% more watched it this year than last year. A hefty 7.2 rating in the 18 to 49 age demo. 18 to 49 is prime time. Yeah. That's what the advertisers are living for. Um, the record impressive at a time, of course, when nobody's watching linear TV, right? Everyone's streaming. Right. So this was the event. Uh, NBC says they are absolutely thrilled that a record number of people were able to enjoy the parade with their families and friends and spend the day with us. Listen to this. The first thing. Thanksgiving Day Parade uh, happened in 1924. It was broadcast, the parade was, in 1932 on radio. Mm-hmm. What, like all those years later? 24 to 32 was the first time the parade was broadcast as the parade on radio. Oh, for all those years, for each of those years? Yes. Okay. And then in 1948, it was started to televise in a closed way, and then in 1953, broadcast on network television. Wow. Isn't that wild? What would it be like to broadcast a, a parade on the radio? To do that banter, to describe what you're seeing, to talk about the crowd. I think it'd be I think it'd be kind of fun. I do, too. A lot of fun. Yeah, I think that would be kind of yep. fun. Did you continue to watch after the parade was over and watch the dog show? Yes. That was excellent. I, I loved, loved it. But then I was really getting into serious cooking, and I decided to, to record. I decided to record okay, it yeah. because I need to go back and watch mm-hmm. it. I saw the Terrier Group. <laughs> they're also fun, aren't they? They're so, so beautiful. They're so great. The working dogs. I the, love. Yeah. I love the dog show. Eleven point nine million people tuned in for the dog show. Okay, up two point nine percent from last year. 
So very, very good. All right. I think that those are all good signs. Mm -hmm. I sent you a picture over the weekend of a a black and white shot of the Macy's. In the 80s. Isn't that fabulous? Love it so much. It's a beautiful, Mm -hmm. beautiful picture right at Columbia Circle. And it's just, it's it's Snoopy. All those people. Uh, And he's towering, of course, you know. Six stories above the crowd. It's just really super cool. It's if really you've never lovely. seen it. I'm really it's it's a bucket list thing to do. Or watch Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street. Kind of, yeah. That's what it's about. Right, yeah. But to be there in person is super cool because those balloons, the floats, the people, the crowd. It's really amazing, and people tune up, come up. I mean, by tens of thousands. Hmm. And all the people that live on the parade route? Yeah, it's okay. They stick their head out the window. They're loving loving their life, It's a very New York thing. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about what it means and what it looks like to train missionaries for not just faithful service, but for fruitful service. Uh, Vince Ward will be with us next, so stay close. It's the Monday post-Thanksgiving edition of The Ride Home. In the Christian church, we rightly hold up missionaries. They are the people who are on the front lines. They minister to people around the world. And the work that they do, unseen by most of us, is essential to spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're happy to welcome to the show today Vince Ward. Vince Ward is a teaching elder in the Reformed Presbyterian Church of Canada. Vince served almost 10 years as a missionary pastor with Reformed Presbyterian Global Missions in South Sudan. He currently serves with Reformed Presbyterian Global Ministry training and mentoring the missionaries, developing new works and training church planters to internationally, intentionally through the Reformed Presbyterian Global Training Network do his work. And Vince, welcome to the show. Happy that you're with us today. Thank you so much. So, Vince, um, obviously, like John said, we, uh, all of us who are part of the church, uh, endorse and and get excited to send people out. Um, But making that service truly fruitful is a whole different level of uh, commitment and uh, understanding and, I'm sure, experience. So can you speak to that and, and what's involved? Sure. Yeah. Again, thank you so much for having me on the show. I love speaking of missions, especially when it comes to local churches getting involved. Uh, With RP Global Missions, we have a funnel that helps to show, illustrate how members of the church can be involved in sending missionaries. So three ways particularly. So one is giving. Um, There are financial needs uh, for the missionaries and they're sending and then they're sustaining on the field. And then uh, training. We provide training uh, for people as they do their trips before they go uh, on the field as well, training, internships. Um, And so we do training prior to going and that often happens within a local church context. Um, we want people to pray, of course, uh, holding the ropes for those who are um, going and, and that they will be sustained in prayer. And finally, that they'll be mobilizing themselves um, for others, you know, young people growing up, uh, doing short-term trips and being involved in, in uh, casting a vision for missions in a local church context. So every member of the local church can be involved in the sending of missionaries. Hmm. So, Vince, you've lived the life. There you are, uh, a guy from Canada. You spent 10 Mm. years almost in South Sudan. Can you talk to us about that? I mean, uh, about the early days when someone said to you, uh, would you be interested in being a missionary? Uh, uh, What what did that look like in your life? Sure. 
I did grow up in a Christian home. Um, I did see missionary presentations. It didn't clue in at all when I was growing up that I would one day be a missionary. It wasn't until the Lord interrupted my life. I was looking to be, uh, you, you know, successful in, in physiotherapy, physical therapy as a profession. But uh, midway through my training in PT school, um, God showed up and uh, revealed his, his amazing grace to me. Um, as a sinner, and and that just changed my life completely. As you know, it just revolutionized my thinking my, about the future. And so, I did think back um, in terms of how I could use the the skills in physical therapy um, on the mission field. And I thought Africa because I had remembered all these missionary presentations that I saw when I was a kid. I thought, well, I could go to Africa and use these skills. And so that was my first short-term trip in 1999 to Kenya to do a medical mission trip. And I was, if you've been to Africa, um, you can't forget. And I just wanted to go back after that trip. And I went to my elders and I asked them, um, I'd like to serve at a hospital. At that time, I was looking at a hospital in Zambia and I was going to go there for two years. I asked for their blessing and they asked if I could pray about getting further training in seminary uh, for church planting in Africa. Finally, the Lord made it very clear that he was calling me to Sudan um, as I had met Sudanese in Ottawa, Canada, and um, I had met some Sudanese in Kenya. And so that was the place he was calling me to train church planters. And that was the beginning of the call. But then many years of preparation until we were there in 2006 and served there for almost 10 years. Wow. Wow. So you talk about your calling and your decision to go overseas, and I can tell mm. that there's, you know, a sense of excitement in your voice. I remember being yeah. a kid growing up in the church and, you know, a missionary would come to talk and all of yeah. us, I mean, this was, <laughs> you're probably laughing because you know what I'm going to say. All of us yeah. were like, oh no, God's going to call us to be missionaries and we're going <laughs> to be miserable for the rest of our lives. Wait, I can top that. A missionary came to our, our my aunt's house and I got sick. Yeah. <laughs> Why? Just hearing yeah. her talk? Yes. <laughs> I was so anxious, and I was a little boy. Oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> so where okay. have we gotten that wrong? Well, you know, it's funny because my, my wife's mother, my my mother-in-law, um, she prayed for her daughter um, that that she would serve the Lord anywhere in the world. But she said later on, um, I didn't pray that it wouldn't, it wouldn't be Africa or Sudan. Um, and she was kind of funny, jokingly saying, I kind of regret I didn't wasn't more specific about not going to Africa. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think I didn't necessarily feel that I was so selfish. I wasn't even thinking about me going to Africa when I heard those presentations. But I, it sounds like a lot of people do think that and they're afraid, you know, about the call to go on the mission field. But when God calls you, you want to go there and he equips you for it. Hmm. So no, there's no doubt there. Vince Ward is with us. He is a missionary. He's also the adjunct professor of missions at Reform Presbyterian Theological Seminary right here in the city of Pittsburgh. So, Vince, what was that like for you? I mean, how do you how do you prepare yourself to go to South Sudan? Well, you know, because it was a field that our very small denomination wasn't familiar with, I, I just went out to try to get all the training that I could. I can definitely recommend one of the courses that we took. It's called Perspectives. Uh, my wife and I, we were just newly married and had a, 
um, and a child, and we went to California for their two-week intensive. But this course is offered all over the country. And so I highly recommend Perspectives in the World Christian Movement. Um, but we also went to uh, Colorado Springs to get some language training, uh, cross-cultural training. And so we just went out and found as much training as we could that was available before we went to the field. Hmm. Well, the um, the joy that I hear in your voice is something that mm-hmm. was never like preached to me as a kid. It was never mm-hmm. something that was part of like, you know, missions week or whatever. And the older yeah. I've gotten and the more people who've been in missions, the more I've traveled myself, I realize yeah. that that's, that's the, the truth of it. And that's the selling point. And for some reason, yeah. it seems like at least my generation of kids, it just, that was completely missed. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know what your experience, um, but for for me in going and and doing presentations in churches, I, uh, we really are trying to engage the the children because yeah, uh, they're the future of of the the mission force, you know, that being, being sent out, and we're trying to get them have a, a vision for the nations when they're young, um, even before going to college. It, you know, what are you going to study that can be um, a profession that can be used anywhere, um, especially overseas where there's so many needs. And so we, we try to plant that seed when they're young. And um, some of them, you know, may never even consider it, but we do know that there are some that have been really moved and touched. And some of them are on the field right now or in the pipeline to go to the field. Very wow, nice. that's exciting. Vince Ward is with us, yeah. Reformed Presbyterian Theological Seminary, where he uh, is an adjunct professor in missions. V- Vince, mm-hmm. can you talk for a second about what it was like to be in South Sudan and to talk yeah. about Jesus? I mean, yeah. is it largely unchurched? Is there threads right. of Christianity? Give us that sort of feel. Sure. Well, when we went there in 2006, it was just the beginning of this transitional period where Sudan had just signed a peace agreement. And um, the people there were still somewhat untouched. There were about 50 churches in the state that we were working in. And um, but the the churches were growing so rapidly and multiplying, not necessarily through our direct work, but we started a radio station that that was reaching the whole area. Excellent. And now that has hundreds of thousands of listeners every day. Wow. It's 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 by far the most impactful Christian radio station in the country. Wow. And through that, we've seen. Um, well, this is what the pastors are saying. This radio station has has brought the gospel to the whole region, where it started with fifty churches, two thousand six when we began, and when we left in 2015 there are about 1500 churches wow so there's been massive growth in the church and um mostly through the sowing of the seed of the word through through radio and uh, we did church planner training we started a school did a lot of health education different things but um i can say that there really was a church planning movement in that region and there's so much hunger for the word and um we just long to see it spread not just all over south sudan but also into sudan now that's in, in their own country Vince Ward is with us. He's the adjunct professor of missions at uh, Reformed Pittsburgh, the- Reformed Presbyterian. I always say that theological seminary. We're talking to him from Ottawa, Canada. Um, Vince, uh, before you leave us, I want to ask about people listening to the program who think, you know, mm. I-, I do have that little yearning to go into missions, yeah. but there are so many agencies. Yeah. I don't know where to start. Sure. I totally understand that. 
Um, I remember going to Urbana conference oh. in um, Illinois, and it's just a massive 20,000 people coming for this conference. But that's really where the Lord called me, and that's where it begins. I really encourage people to go to some of these mission conferences or go directly to some of these agencies and say, look, I don't know where to start. Can you help me? And I've done that, and people have been very helpful. Um, there's so many choices out there, and yet the Lord will direct your steps as you keep praying, as you st- as you keep to find looking for those opportunities where you can serve as the Lord directs you. Fabulous, but of course RPTS also uh, toes the line and offers some guidance uh, for missionary training yes. as well. That's what you're part Absolutely. of, Cynthia. That's right. That's right. Yeah, we do offer uh, mission courses at the school. So please give them a call and they'll connect them with, uh, connect them with me. And, and I'm glad to talk to anyone about oh, it. That's terrific. Okay. We've been talking to Vince Ward. Uh, find out more information about, about Vince and about Reformed uh, Presbyterian Theological Seminary. You can go right online. Look them up. Thank you so much. the end of the year is always about lists, but if you're a wordsmith, the end of the year holds those vaunted dictionary people their particular word of the year. And of course, uh, depending upon what dictionary you use or what country from you're from or the source of all those different words, the word is different from place to place to place. However, Merriam-Webster, I think generally, would be regarded, at least here in the United States, as the wordsmith of record. Yeah, Fair to say? I, the gold standard in yeah. America. Webster's Dictionary. Mm-hmm. Miriam? I don't know. Where they come in? I don't know. All right. So there is a word of the year, though, that's out right now. Yes. Right? Uh, authentic. That's the word of the year. Yes. In Use authentic in a sentence. Uh, when he was speaking to the crowd, he was so authentic. Mm-hmm. Just not trying to pull the wool over anyone's eyes or trying to fit into some preconceived idea of what a speaker is. Instead, he just got up in front of the crowd and he was himself. Mm -hmm. He was real. He was real. My friend is here from Bangkok and is looking for some authentic Thai food. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Sure, that could be. Right. Um. I'm looking for an authentic reproduction. <laughs> I've heard people what? use that. What which, does that even which, mean? Which seems like uh, oxymoronic. But I'm looking for an authentic uh, reproduction of a Victorian chair. I see. You know what I mean? So something that is a reproduction, but, but, looks, but looks authentic, right? Even if it isn't actually mm-hmm. authentic, okay. right? So why is authentic uh, the word of the year? So this was a year of AI, Mm-hmm. Right, Which a lot of conversation about AI. Um, Taylor Swift and Prince Harry chased after authenticity in what they were talking about and doing. Taylor's, Taylor Swift succeeded. Prince Harry, less so. <laughs> Depending on who you ask. Right. Elon Musk himself at mm-hmm. February's World Government Summit in Dubai urged the heads of companies, politicians, and ministers to, quote, speak authentically on social media. Well, he himself. I'm just saying that's what he said. I mean, I'm not I'm not saying he's okay, not crazy. No, let's skip that one. That's what he said. Uh, authentic follows last year's choice of gaslighting. That was word of the year. Um, and it's the, the 20th anniversary that uh, Merriam-Webster has been actually doing this. What? The only 20 years for the word of the year? Mm-hmm. That doesn't seem right. Yeah. You Only think that 20 like years. When we were kids, they were doing well, Word but, of the Year. Well, but 20, how would you know Word of the Year before there was I'd read about an it internet? in the newspaper. Yeah, but how would you know? 
Because they, they look at how what words have been well, Googled. Well, you could probably do a word count even in print media, I would think. Oh, uh, maybe in print media. That's yeah, true. But think? that but this would be much more accurate because it's the average person right. asking. Anyway. Um, okay. You want to hear some runners up? Oh, also rants. Yeah. After authentic. Close but not authentic enough. X. Please. I don't want to say X. I don't want I'm, to say SpaceX or X I'm just, or the place that used to be known as blah, I'm blah, just X. I'm saying that X. that is what uh, people have been looking up. Of course, that's after Twitter was rebranded. rebranded. Um, Elemental. That's the title of a new Pixar film. And so that had people uh, looking up a lot of that word in June. Elemental. Yes. What elemental. is elemental? Uh, I don't know. Basic? I don't know. Elemental. I would think so. Elemental is something that goes back to yeah, it goes back to the foundation. Like elementary, maybe elementary. Um, egot, e g o t. Egot. There was a boost in February when Viola Davis achieved the quadruple mm. award status with a Grammy. Right, that's an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony. That's very nice. Uh, so that was one of them. A riz, slang for romantic appeal or charm, and seemingly short for charisma. Oh, that guy. Okay. She's got uh, riz. Right. Mm-hmm. Kibbutz. Kibbutz. Of course, after the uh, Hamas attack in the Gaza Strip on October 7th, mm-hmm. people wanted mm-hmm. to know what was going on. What's a kibbutz? Uh, implode. This was interesting. This was after the Titanic submersible. Oh, that's sad. Was lost. People right, were right, Googling right, right. implode. Trying to figure what that means. Apparently, it did implode on itself. Yeah. And the pressure of yeah. the weight of the water. It's a, it. the, the definition for the word is to burst inward. Mm-hmm. Um, also, we have dead name. Uh, interest was high in the name that a transgender person was given at birth and no longer uses upon transitioning. Also, doppelganger. Mm-hmm. Um, Merriam-Webster defines it as a double, an alter ego, or a ghostly counterpart derives from German folklore, which it looks like a German word, she right? Does. Um, anyway, interest in the word surrounded Naomi Klein's latest book, Doppelganger, A Trip into the Mirror World, which was released earlier this year. Hmm. Coronation was also a word that was Googled. Of course, apparently. the king's coronation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Also, deepfake. What is deepfake? Deepfake, an image or recording that has been convincingly altered and manipulated to misrepresent someone doing or saying something that wasn't actually done or said. I see. It's the thing that we're all afraid of. I saw right? your image on AI, right. but it turned out to and be you were, a... You were robbing a bank. Right, but that was right. your doppelganger. Uh, speaking of that, dystopian was a word mm-hmm. that is a runner-up this year. Uh, climate chaos brought interest uh, in the word. Also, all sorts of TV shows and books, especially TV shows. It seems there are a lot of dystopian shows right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Covenant. Lookups oh. for the word um, because of the Covenant School in Nashville that was the site of that terrible school shooting. Right. A Christian school. Right. Um, also, they said Guy Ritchie's The Covenant came out this year, which I did not see. Mm-hmm. And that book, The Covenant of Water, oh, yeah. which is supposed to be so good, that also came out this year. Mm-hmm. Um, also, now this is interesting. Uh, U.S. Representative Mike Johnson, who's now the Speaker of the House, uh, he did an interview where he discussed that he and his teen son, they are each other's accountability partner on Covenant Eyes, mm-hmm. which is a software that tracks your browser history yeah. to discourage uh, um, any uh, usage of porn sites. Mm-hmm. And so that also boosted people's interest in what covenant meant. Oh, well, that's good to know. Yeah. And the last one, <laughs> indict. Word of the year. It's one, one of the, of the runners, runners up. Okay. Former President Trump has been indicted on felony charges in four criminal cases in New York, Florida, Georgia, Washington, D.C. And people wanted to know exactly 
what does that mean? All right, we're good. Well, I, I applaud the authentic choice that we have been given this year. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, to me, it's a very positive word, right? I think it is a positive right. word, except already we're getting cynical about it. No, why? Because, like, we brought it up before and you said, well, only if you're really authentic. I need some authentic Italian. Welcome to another edition of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, live from the Salem-Pittsburgh studios. And now, here are your hosts, John Hall and Kathy Emmons. Good afternoon, and welcome to the 5 o'clock hour of The Ride Home with John and Kathy, this Cyber Monday Mm -hmm. edition. Yeah. Um, Have you purchased anything? I have not. Have you? Uh, No, but I'm planning on it. Mm Mm-hmm. Something happened to us over the week, last week, where it, <laughs> it was, um, we, my wife thought we had an unauthorized charge on our credit card, okay. on, our, on our debit card. And so she was like, oh, it's from Amazon. Have you bought anything from Amazon? I said, no. So I contacted Amazon via chat, and I said, oh, there's a charge. And they were like, oh, it's your Prime membership. Oh. And I was like, oh, okay. And then For the, the year? Yeah. And then the next day, my wife said, oh, we were charged again. And so I went back on chat, and they were like, oh, we didn't charge you again. We just reimbursed you the money for Amazon. So you no longer have a Prime account. So I was like, I didn't say to do that. And they were like, well, we thought you did. So here's your money. Go away. (laughs) So I didn't buy anything on Amazon because I don't have a Prime account right now. Wow. So you're not going to be able to watch the thing I'm going to recommend. Well. You know what? It's kind of the first step towards freedom, maybe. Oh, really? Maybe. It <gasps> kind of feels that way. What? Like, okay, I, you know, I'm not going to... You're cutting the cord. I'm not saying that. I'm this not, is like no, the day that I, no, I gave no, up cable, and you no, were like, no, what? No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, for the first time in forever, forever and ever, I was an early adopter of, yeah. of Amazon. So, uh, we don't have it right now. Which necessitates, I mean, of course, I could go to Walmart or right, Target right, or right, whatnot, right, right, right. different options, sure. but that's my main portal because who doesn't want to spend money to spend money? Oh, well, any of us, right? certainly. That's the whole thing about Prime right. membership. Right. What anyway. about Black Friday? Did you do any shopping? Any, uh, no, nothing I didn't on do, Black I didn't Friday? Do, I haven't okay. done any shopping well, you were sick. at all. I was. Okay. I, I, I pretty much finished my Christmas shopping. You're all done Christmas shopping. Uh, not, no, I'm not all done, but I did the lion's share of it on Friday. Really? Really? Yeah, I did the lion's share of it on Friday. You were it out? W- nope. You were at I home. did it online. Really? And I feel like it was shockingly efficient. No kidding. Yeah. Excellent. I mean, I... You had a I, game plan, obviously. I haven't done that in the past. I think also I couldn't get myself off the sofa because mm-hmm. it was post-Thanksgiving. Just and you guys, I was so tired. For the first time ever... I've never done this before. We finished dinner. Yeah. And we had, I think we had 16. Yeah, we had 16 people. And uh, we, you know, got all the dishes in there and whatever. My husband was was doing dishes and we got the dessert out. And I went and sat on the sofa under a blanket and I was done. The tryptophan hit me hard. I'm sure. That's a lot of work. That's a lot of work. Thank you to all the hosts out there yeah. for all the excellent service you've given yeah, us. Yeah, it was a lot of work. But I just, people left and I didn't even get up off the sofa. I'm done. I was like, thanks for coming. I'm going shopping. Okay. <laughs> and I just laid there. So anyway, the next day it was easy for me to do Christmas shopping excellent. because I was you know, horizontal. So did you have a plan? Did you have a list? Mm-hmm. You did? Yeah. 
did you spend um, okay now our kids are adults mm-hmm. more or less than years past probably the same same yeah i don't think it was more or less okay we're backing off oh are you oh yeah oh because they're they're like adults now yeah okay i don't feel the need to not nearly as much got it it's kind of what you know okay you guys are good sure right what else mm-hmm. do you need from me right what else you think boys and girls are different in that way sons and daughters of course we don't know because i've never had a son and you've never had a daughter no no i always feel sort of nagging sense of here here's more yeah right do you feel that yes of course but I bet your spouse doesn't feel that. No, either does mine. <laughs> you know us well. It's true. Yeah. Here's more stuff, guys. Yep. Or here. Yeah. Just take this, please. Yeah. That's kind of fun. Anyway, right? congratulations on your... Uh, on, on my success. I've yet to start. I really just... Yeah. Speaking of success, um, how about the Steelers yesterday? What a great game. Okay. Now... Gives you hope. Now, I, hope. S- I said before the game started... You know, we watch it later in the day because yeah. I work in the morning and then I come home and go to sleep. So we watch it later in the day. And... We sat down to to hit play, and I said to my husband, we cannot go into this expecting that this is going to be a different team, Mm -hmm. because they let one guy go, everybody else is the same. And then the first play, down the middle, deep. Right, right. And you go, wee, start waving that terrible towel. So by by the half, I thought to myself, okay, so it's slightly different. We have a lot of yards, but we had three points. Right. But by the end of the game, I was sold. Yeah. It was a fun game. I was sold. Seriously, it, it, it reminded you of old Steeler football. It was balanced. The points weren't there. They left points on the table. Yes, they did. Which was ridiculous. Right. They should have gone back and looked at Why that Why don't you touchdown. have someone who's dedicated to that? I don't know. And I heard, wasn't what, someone's full-time I heard job. what Tomlin said about that. And he said, well, Didn't it's, make any sense. You know, it's harder in a, you know, when you're traveling, no. you're in someone else's stadium, blah, blah. I thought, well, that's just, what do you a, mean? That's just a screw-up. You you're left, looking at the scoreboard? You it's not six, your job. You left six points on the field. Yeah. So... So they could have to say, yeah, it was a really fun game. And and we've got over 400 yards for the first time in five decades. I mean, forever and ever and ever forever. Yeah. Goodbye, Matt Canada. And I'm sorry to say someone lost their job. I am, too. Man, oh, man. I am, too. I just just balance. The runners look running running game. Look really good. So I feel good about that. But looking forward, was this, was it really because of the change in personnel? It has or, to be. or was it the fact that there was a change in personnel? It was a shock to everybody, and all of a sudden everybody kind of woke no, up? No, it has to be a change in personnel. It has to be. It was so totally different. It was like day and night, Kath. It really was. Seriously. It really was. And Fryermuth, of course, you can't oh, overstate that. Yeah, and it, well, of course, he was hurt, but still, I mean, he was. Yeah. What a great combination. Thank goodness. I, I could. It gives you a little bit of hope. Especially when you look at Baltimore's schedule coming mm-hmm. up for the end of the year. They have a tough schedule. They They're do. playing Miami, I think the 49ers, Jacksonville, somebody else. They've got a tough schedule. Yep. And the Steelers, okay. it's pretty easy. Like next week, we're playing the Cardinals. I mean, I'm not saying Super Bowl here. No. But at least the end of the season's going to look good. The last, what, six games, seven games left? Fabulous. Maybe five? We'll take a quick break, come back. We're going to talk about the Bible. Stick around. It's the Bible here on Word FM. If you don't have Bible, how they can find the truth? Because the Bible like a map to bring them to find the truth. And many people, they are really uh, hungry for the Word of God, and then they need the Bible. Amen to that. Amen and amen. 
It's our Bible League day here, our very final day with Michael Woolworth in the Bible League. Everybody needs the Bible, mm-hmm. whether they know it or not. Michael, welcome back to the show. Yeah, John Kath, thanks for a few more minutes to really stay the course. You've stayed the course with us. We appreciate that. We're in the home stretch, John and Kath. Let me bring you up to speed on where we are. A couple of weeks ago, we got together as two ministries, Word FM and Bible League, and we said, can, can we address this? If this is a significant issue facing the global church in the regions of Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America, even only a few miles from the current conflict uh, there in the Middle East, can we do something about it? And so we kind of set a goal to bless 5,000 Bibleist believers. Um, we started a couple of weeks ago. As we enter this final week, we'll end uh, on Sunday, December 3rd. Here's where we are. Listeners, you have taken care of 4,000 Bibles for 4,000 Bibleist believers. So praise the Lord for that, that, that this year they'll read for themselves uh, the Christmas story. We have a thousand to go. And I know it's tempting to say, okay, uh, that's, you know, you're, you know, that's, you got 80% of this goal taken care of, you know, in baseball, that's, uh, that's pretty good batting average, right? Well, we know these Christians by name, John Kath. These are a thousand precious souls. The Lord loves They're members of our spiritual family. We'd love to get it done for them. We have to do it this week. So again, some easy math, you know, the soft spot for this this listening family's been about $100, $100, $125. If we saw about four dozen of your listeners right now, I'm not saying hundreds at this point. I'm saying four dozen of your listeners at 20 Bibles each. That's a $100 tax-deductible gift. Uh, we'll sing the Hallelujah Chorus. We'll get the balance of these Bibles uh, on their way. And I can tell you, people like Ming, the man you just heard from, who said, what? The Bible, it's like a roadmap. You don't have a roadmap. You know, you don't have a Bible. Uh, you're, you're lost. You really can't find your way, certainly as a believer in that part of the world where Christians are clearly outnumbered. Uh, they're, they're totally, they're always told what? Uh, you don't matter. Uh, you, you know, we, we, we don't want you part of this culture, but I can tell you your vote today, your, your call today says what? Your gift, your, your your click, it says what? We're with you and we're for you from the greater Pittsburgh area. But John Kath, all that to say, it's great to be with you today. We're delighted to be at 80% to goal. Okay, so that means that we are super close to getting this. And I don't know, I for one, I'm sure you agree, Michael, I would just love to just put a bow on this at the end of this mm-hmm. hour and just say that we've fulfilled our commitment to Bible League, especially on a day like Cyber Monday, where tons of people are going online and buying, you know, whatever they are buying for family members or friends for Christmas or just taking advantage of sales for themselves. I mean, this is the perfect day to kind of get our vision into another place other than our immediate circle. Yeah, yeah, Kath, I love that. And like I say, you know, $100 is kind of that soft spot. If you can give more, awesome. If you can do a little bit less, that's okay, too. I mean, I get great joy in thanking gifts of all sizes. But listen, listeners, you have pushed so hard. You've got us to this point. Again, in a time of uh, year when inflation is up, I know the holidays are upon us. I was, uh, you know, watching, uh, you know, some television over the weekend. And what did I hear? You know, the cost to put a Thanksgiving turkey on the table last week, you know, it was, it was up by, uh, you know, this this uh, unreasonable amount, but the bottom line is there's a lot of messaging hitting us today. But, uh, Kath, I'm with you. If we could finish this up, finish strong, we can do it with really a handful of the Word FM uh, listening family. And, again, it it takes a $5 gift. Let me thank some of your listeners who have gotten us to this point, if I might thank uh, Don of Amity. Uh, 20 Bibles, thank you, Brian of Beaver Falls, another 20 Bible gift. Melody, thank you for this gift from Washington. $200 enough for 40 Bibles. Matthew from uh, Homer City. 
20 Bibles. We'd heard from uh, David of uh, Josephine, PA, a gift of 30 Bibles, and then Edward of New Kensington, a gift of 40 Bibles. And that's why we're at this point, 80% to goal. Listeners, you've taken care of Bibles for the first 1,000, or I should say the first 4,000 of our goal to bless 5,000. We've got 1,000 to go, and we'd love to get it done. This hour, we certainly have to get it done by this Sunday, John Kath. Won't you join us right now at 1-800-YES-WORD. That's 1-800-YES-WORD or online right now at wordfm.com. When you go to wordfm.com, you'll see the Bible League banner at the very top of the page. So as Michael Wilber says, we're about 48 people away, 48 right now listeners. who are, We know that there are thousands and thousands of you who are tuned in at this moment. So don't let this moment go by for somebody else. Won't you please be one of these 48 and say yes to the Bible League for $20, for 20 Bibles, which is essentially a one-time $100 gift to the Bible League. A a thousand Bibles away. Michael, we were just talking about uh, international ministries and missions in our last four o'clock hour. And and this is really a way to be an international mission, to go out into the world and seeding the kingdom. Because you essentially, the eyes and the ears, uh, Bible League knows where the greatest need for the Bibles are, whether it's in Africa or in communist countries. People are still waiting for their very own copy. It's hard to believe that $5 can close that gap, yeah? Yeah, you know, and, and that's what, John, that's what we're saying. 48 listeners right now, hundreds, uh, that'd be awesome. But how about 48 of you right now stepping up at 20 Bibles each? And then we get these Bibles uh, on their way. And uh, John Kath, the fact that we, this is your number 85 for Bible League. We've worked together for more than 20, I think it's 25, maybe even 30. But to think that Word FM has been there for many of those years, and we couldn't do what we do as a, as a global ministry. I mean, putting the Bibles into the hands and hearts of Bibleist believers all over the world, we could not do this without listening families like those of Word FM. You know, I was in uh, Malaysia back in uh, February. In fact, let me tell you really an intimate uh, angle here of 400 Christians right now that can benefit from your generosity. And this kind of explains how all of this unfolds around the world. But I was in uh, Malaysia. This is one of the largest uh, Muslim-majority countries in the world. Kath and I, with some other Salem media hosts, visited uh, the largest, and that is the country of Indonesia. We did that right before all the COVID lockdowns. But I was in Malaysia. was just off the South China Sea. We were deep in the jungles uh, of that country, and there was a tribe that uh, that we were uh, essentially um, engaging with. What was their story? Well, they were the Longhouse people. What what is Longhouse? Well, it's a housing concept that dates back thousands of years all over Southeast uh, Asia, and that's what characterized these people. You would find these these houses that were essentially the length of a soccer field, right? You'd have hundreds of members of a, of, of one particular family. You'd have great grandparents, grandparents, aunts, uncles. If you married into the family. You were part of the Longhouse community. But what also characterized these people, John and Kath, is they were animists. They believed there are spirits and places and things. They wore amulets. They did rituals. Once a month, they would sacrifice the blood of uh, three chickens. They'd put the, 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 the blood of these chickens into these basins. I know this sounds a little odd. But, you know, if they didn't get it right, they would not appease the gods. In fact, on one of those occasions when they went through that ritual, one of the elderly members, a woman almost 100 years of 
page um, died, and they said, oh, my, we've not appeased the gods. That's who these people were. They had absolutely no peace. They had no idea who Jesus is, but enter the hope of the gospel. And um, John Kath, I love visiting with these people. They they really were, were self-sustaining. They, they we ate a lot of wild boar and this durian fruit. This, you ever heard of this stinky fruit? Uh, it's kind of oh, prohibited yeah. in most of the uh, oh, airports yeah. in that part of the world. Yeah, the stinky fruit. Somebody had to come in from an outside culture to say, you know, this is it. it, it it's OK. You know, it, it tastes like a, 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 a stinky gym sock. So yeah, it's nasty. It's nasty. It really is. And again, it was alarming to see all these signs at the different airports that, that I would go through back in February. But that's where we were, deep in the, the jungles of Malaysia, just off the South China Sea. And here's what God did through a family that actually was suffering. They had a, a, an infant daughter uh, who was on death's doorstep. She was not taking the nourishment of her mother. She was going to die. And the shaman in that village, the man that gave spiritual direction, all he could do was curse that illness. But I can tell you, God brought a Christian into the lives of that couple. And he prayed, Lord, would you restore the health of this baby? Uh, again, who was on death's doorstep. But I can tell you, God, in a very gracious way, did that. And I can tell you what happened was this family said, you know what, in grateful response to for what God has done for us, we are forsaking our pagan beliefs and practices, and we're following this Jesus. Now, listen, the story doesn't end there. The head man, we're talking about the, 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 the man that was responsible for that entire longhouse. What he said went, right? We, we found that out very, very quickly. In fact, we couldn't even step uh, foot into that longhouse unless we had his blessing. When, when he heard what the triune God did for this family, restoring the health of that little girl, and of course, this was a relation to him. He said, you know what? All of us, we're forsaking all of these pagan beliefs and practices. We're following Jesus. You know, Bible League was there uh, a few months before we arrived back in February, and they were taking these people week by week through Project Philip. This is the evangelist in Acts 8, leads the Ethiopian unit to faith in Christ. In the spirit of that, Philip, we help create Philips all over the world. And John and Kath, Bible League was there to be able to, uh, again, to evangelize, to disciple. And we're now at the point where we need to circle back and give them the Bibles that we promised them. And that's the Ebon language. And before I left back uh, or in the early part of this year, I promised them that we would be sending 500 Bibles for 500 new believers deep in the jungles of Malaysia, just off the South China Sea. These are members of our spiritual family. But I can tell you there's no hope of a Bible outside of what can happen today and in the days to come as we wrap up this campaign with the Word FM listening family. Amen and amen. Michael Worth from the Bible League. You know, it's, it's easy to shake your head in despair and go, look at this world. What is happening here? I mean, not only locally, but nationally, globally. It feels as though, you know, each day the wheels just fall off. And aren't you glad that you've got Christ in your life? Because if you didn't have that, the surety, the, the hope of a new life in Christ as we pass. I mean, all would feel as though it's despair. But uh, if you have hope for Christ in your own life and for your husband or your wife to know the good news, truly the good news of Jesus Christ for all of us who say his name and bend his knee, bend the knee to Christ, won't you join us right now and pass that great gift along? 
It's our final day. It's our final half hour, four, final 40 minutes here with Michael Woolworth from the Bible League. 1-800-YES-WORD is the number to call. 1-800-YES-WORD. We're looking right now. Uh, four dozen of you. Are there four dozen people right now who listen to our show on a regular basis and say, yeah, I, I can send 20 Bibles out. That's a one-time gift of $100. We're looking for you to step forward today in these waning minutes of our Bible League campaign. 1-800-YES-WORD or online at wordfm.com. I don't have to convince you too much. I mean, you know the power of God's work in your own life and, and how that has spread to your family here and far, your church family, your immediate family, the world who all calls Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. There is a difference, is there not? So please, in this Christmas season, this weirdly Cyber Monday, where the rest of the world is spending a billion dollars on whatever it is we all spend our money on, take a moment and spend uh, a few dollars with the excellence of the power of God's holy word with the Bible League on our final day. 1-800-YES-WORD, 1-800-YES-WORD, or online at wordfm.com. He is very passionate about uh, evangelism, and he wants to start a church. He wants to start a fellowship, and he wants to uh, proclaim the Bible as long as he lives. And he even went to the point of saying that if I don't mind if God does not give me eyes to see, but I think I have seen God, and if it were not for this disability that God has given, I wouldn't have known God. Fabulous. Mm -hmm. It's our final day with Michael Woolworth from the Bible League. Michael, please tell us about that cut. Yeah, John Kath, we're feeding heart-hungry Christians today. Let me tell you about 200 right now associated with that story. Because, you know, if you're like me, uh, that man whose uh, nickname is Bob, he has a long uh, um, Indian name. He lives within the walls of India, the most populated country in the world. What's he talking about? He's talking about a man by the name of Shanti Varden who was born blind, uh, lost his father at age 10, lived in extreme poverty. If you, you've seen pictures or videos of the extreme poverty in India, I can tell you those pictures, those video clips, they're never exaggerated. People live... In in extreme poverty, they have virtually nothing. There's the caste system there that would kind of grade people, if you will, on, on where you fall uh, in the social classes there. And this young man, uh, Shanti Varden, fell within the lower caste. He was an undesirable. Um, again, um, lived in abject poverty, lived with uh, virtually no hope in his life. Again, uh, f blind uh, from birth, lost his father at a young age. And as uh, Bobby says, this is a man that wanted to end his life. But enter the hope of the gospel. His mother, a godly woman, prayed for his salvation. This is about, a, even at that time, about 28 years of age. His mom prayed for his salvation when he came to Saving Faith. Bible League was there. We were able to provide him with an audio Bible, uh, which is something we do around the world where people experience uh, uh, extreme um, um, illiteracy, or in this case, um, a visual impairment, like uh, a young Shanti Varden, unable to read, right? And he didn't know anything about Braille, frankly. So he would read that, uh, he would listen to that audio Bible, John and Kathy, he would hear God's precious promises, and he de de developed an incredible desire to reach out to others who were blind, uh, visually impaired, um, uh, with developmental disabilities, people just living in extreme poverty, just like himself, who were needing hope, and he would invite them week after week, come learn about Jesus. 
Jesus. He would use this uh, Bible study from Bible League that we've talked about over our several weeks together. And I can tell you, God would bring about 200 people to Christ through the ministry of this man, Shanti Varden, and his pastor, that man who goes by the nickname uh, Bobby. And I can tell you, you know, we often talk about this multiplier of 12. What's that mean? After 85 years of ministry all over the world in the regions of the Middle East, um, Africa, uh, Latin America, and right there in Asia and the country of India, we notice a trend when people finally get a Bible, something they may have prayed for for a long time. Um, they lead about 12 people to Christ very, very quickly. There's an impact of about a dozen people. I can tell you as a ministry, eight and a half decades uh, young, we can say that with confidence. So as you think about, um, you know, giving a Bible today, think about 12 people impacted for the cause of Christ right now. People like Shanti Varden, he'll share his Bible. He'll introduce others to Christ, right? And so uh, this is a great opportunity, again, using that multiplier, 12 Bibles each. You know, ultimately our goal is to bless 5,000 if you can uh, multiply that by 12. I think it's about 60,000. It's tens of thousands right now that we have the opportunity to impact through this campaign. We are 80% of the way to this goal to bless 5,000 Bibleist believers. One Bible, that's an answer to prayer. 5,000 Bibles, that's 5,000 answers to prayer. And again, John Kath, we are 80% of the way there. We've got 1,000 to go. We need to do it by the end of this Sunday, December 3rd, but we'd love this hour to take a big uh, chunk out of this remaining goal. We've said the easy math is this. One if we saw about maybe four dozen of this wonderful listening family come together and say, we'll take care of those remaining whatever 50, 50 uh, gifts that we need to see, and then we will sing the Hallelujah Chorus. We'll get these Bibles on their way. And now you know 200 believers a little bit more intimately through the story of Shanti Varden, deep in the heart of India. Michael, I want to thank Randy, who called in from New Stanton, who gave 20 Bibles. Thank you to David mm. from Pittsburgh for two Bibles. and from Bentleyville, 20 Bibles. Terry from McDonald, 20 Bibles. Laureen from Fairbank, eight Bibles. Thank you to James from Creighton, 10 Bibles. Fred from Pittsburgh with six Bibles. Alice from Pittsburgh, 20 Bibles. Thank you to Deborah from mm. Irondale, Ohio, a gift of 100 Bibles, which is $500 gift. Roger from Petersburg, West Virginia, 10 Bibles. Thank you to Lawrence from Pittsburgh, a gift of $1,000, which is 200 Bibles. And of course, our friend David with D.W. Dickey and Sons from East Liverpool, Ohio, a gift mm. of 1,500 Bibles, which is a $7,000 Fabulous. You hear all those names, all those listeners who are reaching out right now. Won't you join that long parade of people who say yes to the Bible League? One Bible is just $5. A one-time gift of 20 Bibles is $100. Perhaps you could do that or more. Join us right now at 1-800-YES-WORD, 1-800-YES-WORD, or online at wordfm.com. It's our final on-air day with Michael Worth with the Bible League. So please... Please take the opportunity. It's Cyber Monday. People are spending a billion dollars in things that many people won't even want or need. But here, the living, breathing Word of God will go on forever. Certainly people need and want that. Join us right now at 1-800-YES-WORD or online, wordfm.com. Men think women are too married at a young age and they are not supposed to get uh, educated or even to be treated the same level as men. When I see the ladies that are very happy that they can read the word of Jesus and write the, the name of Jesus for the first time, I saw lives of women changed after, after they uh, started to, to read and write and how they 
regain their confidence in in themselves and how they could feel that they now have value and uh, they can function in the society as you said mm-hmm. how they can feel that they are valuable in in god's eyes also hmm. Hmm. what a message michael please tell us about that what an incredible person yeah, yeah, John Kath, you know, we're feeding heart-hungry Christians today. And, and let me say this, how beautiful are the feet of those that send good news, right? And that describes the Word FM listening family. That really has been your legacy uh, with us at Bible League. And you know what, uh, listeners, you've, you've sent 4,000 Bibles. Do the math. That's $20,000. You know, in an age of inflation and uh, the holidays, all of those things mean, there. you know, there's a sacrifice happening uh, in your budget for people like Nirvana, uh, the woman you just heard from from the Middle East. John Kath, I was in that part of the world not too long ago, um, only a few miles uh, from the conflict. And, and you know, it, to, to go into a culture like that where uh, many people follow a radicalized uh, agenda, and as we go into the story, I do want to say that, you know, it, it, it would be unfair, it would be untrue for us to say that everyone who follows um, Islam follows a, a radicalized agenda. That would not be true, but I can tell you with that story, this story, um, it actually is. But Nirvana, um, Nirvana talks about um, the state of uh, womanhood in a place like the Middle East. I won't identify exactly where she's at, but she's saying what? A lot, there's expectations for a lot of women there, often denied an education. Uh, you know, their place is in uh, you know, the home. It's to be unseen in the public square. In fact, you see that. Uh, John Kath, as you go around uh, that part of the world, you'd see people with the full burqa, right? I mean, uh, and uh, you could tell um, there's certainly some hardships for, for a lot of the women. That was true for one of the women that I met, 19-year-old Aria. What was her story? She said, I was a devout Muslim. I read my Quran. I said my prayers five times a day. And I've said this before as we've traveled that part of the world. You know, you'd hear the Islamic call to prayer. You'd see people drop. They would face Mecca, engage in their daily prayers again five times a day. You could tell they were very, very devout um, in their faith. We would see big families. You would see, the, you know, the care and concern they had, they had for their children. That's the part of the world that we were in only a few miles from the conflict. But I can tell you when, when, when you kind of parse things down, you can see things are very difficult for somebody like 19-year-old Aria. She said, when I did all of those things and they brought no peace, um, I accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a Bible study. John Kath, this is one of those women, only a, a couple of years ago, received a Bible in the Arabic language through a Bible League campaign, one of these that came through Project Philip week by week, being exposed to who uh, Jesus is, what's what's Christianity all about? But she learned very, very quickly that you don't keep Jesus to yourself. You share him with others. And so she would invite young Aria to come to this uh, Bible study with about 12, 13 other people. Week by week, she would unfold for this uh, young lady through um, the Gospel of John, paired together with Christianity 101. Who is Jesus? How is he both God and man? What's it mean to die to self and put on Christ in the day-to-day? She would come through that and realize that she was a sinner, and there's no other name under heaven by which to be saved except that of Jesus. I can tell you a long story short, young Aria, 19 years of age, would come to place her faith in Jesus Christ. She still lived at home. She went home, hid the Bible study booklet uh, in her bedroom because she still lived with her parents. Her mother, Rummage, found the uh, Bible study booklet, gave it to her father, who was a mullah. He was a, had very high standing in his community. In fact, would often uh, decide the cases of, of, of Muslims involved uh, in, in, in conflict in that part of the world. When he found out about his daughter's new faith, I can tell you he did not share in that. In fact, uh, he, he, he beat her nearly to death. They consider that an honor uh, beating uh, in a part of the world where Sharia law um, encourages that. 
Uh, but it did not end there. John Kathy called the authorities to report her as an infidel. They would take her and the Christian friend away to a remote cell. It was there that they beat him. They violated them. Um, they pulled fingernails out of either hands on both of those young women. They would hold them without much food, no water, uh, very little water, no outside contact. But when they let them go, I like to say they did not grow bitter, these two. They grew bold. And I tell you, that when, when those captors let these women go, they didn't realize they were unleashing two women who were on fire for Jesus. And as they've been able to kind of share their story and the suffering they've gone through, people have been amazed at the grace and the gumption um, shown in the lives of these young women there in the Middle East, only a few miles from the conflict. John Kath, I can tell you today about 300, almost it's like 283 have come to Christ in that part of the world where there really are no Christian bookstores, no discount retailers, you know, that stock Bibles and inspirational books. Um, there's no Amazon to drop a box of Bibles into their village. So frankly, we're in the final week of this campaign, relying on the Word FM listening family to help us get these Bibles to the Middle East, only miles from the conflict. And I can tell you, as I toss it back to you, I was able to ask young Aria, how can we pray for you? And I was amazed, John Kath, that she did not tell me, hey, you know, get on Word FM and pray uh, to God that he would bring an abrupt end to our suffering. No, she knows that he works through that. She she sees suffering as a way to, to glorify God and to point others to him. But she said, please pray that we would love God with every fiber of our being, that we would obey him in every circumstance, that we would see those that hate us, uh, that want to see us killed, uh, not as the enemy, but as the mission field. And she said, Michael, we need Bible. Christians here need to be able to endure and persevere because they're under tremendous pressure to convert back uh, to Islam. And for some of those, uh, they would uh, be asked to, to come back to a radicalized agenda. But I can tell you, they are followers of Jesus. They're members of our spiritual family. They're praying for the Word of God today. And now you know 300 Christians um, in a very intimate way, in, in a more intimate way, who are praying for your help today. And again, it's all part of this final 1,000 Bibles that we would love to get out to the world from the Word FM listening family. Fabulous. Michael Woolworth joins us from the Bible League. <clears throat> It is our final day with Michael here on air. The campaign goes on until early December, but our final really 30 minutes or less, 1-800-YES-WORD is the number to call, 1-800-YES-WORD, or online at wordfm.com. I mean, Michael, uh, that story is just amazing. I mean, just to think about the revolutionary aspect of the Bible, which, to be honest, you know, we, we kind of gloss over. We, we're so used to the hearing about the heroes and the villains of, of the Bible that we just kind of give it short shrift. I mean, and you describe it so well, the, the grace and the gumption of those new believers who no matter what, uh, through through torture and retribution and the dissolution of families and uh, the life turned upside down because one has the grace and the gumption, the wisdom to follow Jesus Christ. I mean, we could all take a lesson from that mm -hmm. here in the United States. There's no doubt about that. So please, won't you join us? 1-800-YES-WORD is the number to call. 1-800-YES-WORD. It's our final, just a little bit of time here uh, on air with Michael Woolworth. Uh, WordFM.com, of course, you want to go there as well. We're looking for $5 for a Bible. But the fact of the matter is we need a couple dozen or so right now to go. I, I can give 20 Bibles, which is a one-time gift of $100. We need you as our moments are clicking by. So if you've heard the, the call here with Michael Woolworth from the 
Bible League and you've thought about this and prayed about it, now is the time to take some action. Of course, um, I don't have to tell you about the oddity of what, what today is. I mean, we're, we're being bombarded if you've been online at all. Right? Everyone's by today because, you know, it's, it's Cyber Monday and we've got great deals for you. Well, I tell you, the deal, if I would be so low to even put it that way, the deal of the Bible is the deal of the century, is the deal of eternity, right? It is the deal of a lifetime because eternal life with Christ, you cannot put a number on that. And of course, if you know that comfort and you know that strength and the wisdom and the peace and the power of that in your own life, then wouldn't it be right and true and proper to pass that gift of long for the princely sum of only $5 or for 20 times that for $100? Won't you join us right now? We are, we're just so inundated with the messages of spend, spends, you need this more, 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 more. Well, to be honest, I think we all know, truly, at this point in our lives, how much do we need? Right. For the most part, uh, I mean, the large majority of us, there's a lot of quibble here, I'm sure. But the large majority of us, I mean, as as much of a struggle as life is, we do okay. Right. We live to see another day. We can feed ourselves. There's a roof over our head. Our families are intact. We are blessed. I've no doubt about that to the large majority of our listening audience right now. But the stories that Michael tells so deeply passionate so informative of where we are in this Christian walk and our necessity to pass that along, to be missionaries, not to travel to South Sudan ourselves or to Ethiopia or Senegal or wherever the God's holy word needs necessarily to be heard. But right now, for the comfort of wherever you are on the ride home, driving in your car or in your kitchen or in your workshop downstairs, wherever you are right now, in this final on-air day with Michael Woolworth from the Bible League, 1-800-YES-WORD. 1-800-YES-WORD or online at wordfm.com. Don't wait for someone else to do this. If you know it, read it, love it, it's changed your life and those you love, then please. No arm twisting. Just the truth of the matter is the power of it eternally. Pass it along. 1-800-YES-WORD. We're so close to hitting this goal, you guys. I mean, I would just, I would, lo- I would love to go to bed tonight thinking, okay, this is done. Yeah. You know, we've been talking about Bible League. We've been talking about Bibles. It's only $5 to send a Bible to somebody who needs it. And I just feel like if enough of us came together to do this, even with a minimum gift, Michael, we could finish it out. We could finish it up, and I can tell you we're at this point, John Kath, because of Justin of Periopolis, Denise of Coriopolis. Thank you, Jeffrey of Pittsburgh. We've heard from Zachary of Bell Vernon, Thomas of McKee's Rocks, and then David of Bridgeville. Thank you for a gift of $500, enough for 100 Bibles. And, Kath, you've been great to acknowledge our friend uh, David uh, Dickey with D.W. Dickey and Sons. You know, he made that gift. He really wanted to put us in a great position to finish this goal. He has a, really an intolerable bird. I've had a chance to talk with him. You know, he loves his station, listen to you all the time, but intolerable burden to see these Bibleist believers get what they're praying for and to think that uh, this Christmas season, they will read for themselves the true Christmas story. We're, we're getting it done every call and with every click today. Today at 1-800-YES-WORD or the online Bible League portal, and that's wordfm.com. You'll see the Bible League banner at the very top of the page, wordfm.com. But here, our final just few minutes left with Michael Woolworth from the Bible League, 1-800-YES-WORD. Please join us now. 
final on-air day with Michael Woolworth from the Bible League. Michael, we've been counting down. We know we're close, but not quite there yet, yeah? Well, you know, we set out just a couple of weeks ago, you know, knowing this is a major concern for the global church around Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and Latin America. I mean, parts of the world where Christianity is really growing in incredible numbers. You know, if you follow Barna Research, um, you know, those researchers will, will tell us, even with Pew Research, that the church growth here in America, it's it's on the decline, a little bit stunted. Our prayers that that changes. But the places we've been focusing on, this is where Christianity is growing fastest. You know, if you look at some of the characteristics of these places, what is it? Well, it's... It, Three characteristics you find, of course, Bible-believing churches. They're small, but I can tell you they have preachers that preach the Word. But they're also areas where there's a lot of persecution. You put those three ingredients together, you find tremendous church growth. And, you know, John Kath, some of these stories we've shared over the last couple of weeks together, they've been very difficult. I often struggle with how many, uh, you know, details I, I should pour in, but it really is an incumbent upon us to give your listeners an intimate look into the lives of these uh, Bibleist believers. And we've said together, can we bless 5,000 Bibleist believers? You have answered the prayer of 4,000 Bibleist believers. We've got 1,000 to go. We need to wrap up this Sunday, December 3rd. And we've kind of done some easy math, John Kath. I'm not a mathematician. Um, I wouldn't want to say I'm a radio guy because that would be offensive to you two, right? But, but, like we don't know math, right? But what I'm, right. I'm speaking only for myself, right? You know, the simple math is this. You know, if we saw about four dozen of your listeners right now who have over the years been incredibly kind to Bible League, um, 20 Bibles each, you know, it's four dozen of you, 20 Bibles each, a $100 tax deductible gift. We will be at goal and get these, uh, you know, the balance of these Bibles um, on their way. Let me wrap up with just the names of a few uh, people that are praying for Bibles right now. Sibella's in the Middle East. It was only about a year ago that she overcame illiteracy. She's praying for a Bible uh, in the Arabic language. Rohan is in Bangalore, India. When he came to Christ, extremists beat him nearly to death. But more than anything, Rohan in India is praying for a Bible. Gerard is in the country of Kenya, Africa. He's a former witch doctor. He was all about voodoo, black magic, uh, sorcery, all that spiritual darkness. But God brought him into the kingdom of his son. He's praying for a Bible in the Wolof language. A couple more here. Uh, Babar is in the Middle East, uh, only a few miles from the conflict. He's among tens of thousands of former Muslims now following Christ. He's praying for a Bible. And then uh, Jong is in Cambodia. as a former Buddhist. He is a now a follower of Jesus, praying for a Bible in the Khmer language. And then John a couple more names of your wonderful listeners that are helping us get it done. Jason of Vanderbilt. We've heard from uh, Fred of Beaver. Thank you, Lori of McKeesport, Linda of Pittsburgh, and William of 80. For. It's been a great joy for me to be here to share these stories, to let you know what God is doing, and with gratitude to invite you into these wonderful stories around the world. And John Kath, we're praying we can get it done by this Sunday. We have until this Sunday, as you said, Michael, to make our gifts. And so, you know, listeners out there, if you're doing your Cyber Monday shopping um, and you're looking through, what am I going to get for this person or that person? Or what am I? What am I going to pick up for my home? I mean, it's the ideal time to take your attention off of your immediate circle and give a gift of any amount to our friends at the Bible League. For the person who has everything but really has nothing and they need God's holy word. Won't you join us right now? 1-800-YES-WORD. 1-800-YES-WORD or online at wordfm.com. Michael, it's a privilege and an honor to be with you, the eyes and ears of the Bible League, to hear your stories and to hear how God is working through you, through our listeners, and for those who are wanting God's holy word. Thank you so much for being with us, Michael. Yeah, thank you. And God bless your wonderful listeners, John and Kath. 
Ride Home with John and Kathy, a production of Salem Media Group. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com.